We're continuing our series called Legacy, which is living beyond yourself. And you remember we said last week that a legacy is something that is handed down by a predecessor to the next generation. And the truth of the matter is, is we're all going to leave a legacy. The question is, what kind of legacy are we going to leave? Is it going to be a good one or a bad one? We're all going to hand something down to the generation beyond us. What kind of legacy are we going to leave our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren? Whenever we're long gone, what are they going to say about us? What are they going to remember about us? Or, you know, uh, as a church, what kind of legacy are we going to leave as a church? What are we going to leave whenever we're all gone and there's a generation that is not yet born, that is worshiping in this building? What kind of legacy are we going to leave them? In 2 Timothy 2, in verse 1 and 2, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on also. Now, that is a a generational legacy building verse or passage of scripture. God is a generational spiritual legacy building God. Amen. That builds his legacy. And the way that he does it is by changing people's lives. That's how he does it. You know, he's been for years now establishing the spiritual legacy that is going to live long beyond us. But he's been doing it one person at a time. And, you know, we talked about it last week. Whenever I think about Brother Francis and Miss Babs and the legacy they're leaving here in this church long after they're gone, whenever I think about the legacy they've already left, why are they getting a chance to see? You know, every time somebody walks down this aisle and comes surrender their life to Christ, they have a part of that because of their life. Amen. I think about the lives that have been changed, the families that have been changed, people's eternities that have been changed as a result of Brother Francis and Miss Babs and not just them. But how many of you have been here for 30 years? How many of you have been here for 20 years? How many of you have been working here in the church for years and years and you've helped event after event? Hey, you're leaving a legacy. You're leaving something behind that's going to live way beyond you. And that's a great use of your life. Amen. Let me, let me give you two examples. I am part of the legacy of this church. You've heard my story. Whenever I stumbled in here, man, I didn't know come here from Sikkim. I didn't know generations to revolutions. You know, I didn't know nothing. But you know what? I'll tell you, my life has been changed as a result of the legacy of this house. And this house doesn't have a legacy except people have invested their lives in this house. Amen. And so I am forever grateful and that whatever difference I can make with my life, I'm standing on the shoulders of the legacy of the people that have invested faithfully over the years right here in this house at Family Life. Amen. Let me talk to you about another legacy. Mr. Aaron and Miss Louise are sitting right here. I don't know if you know them. Would y'all just stand just for a second? I want people, some people might not know. This is my, this is my, uh, my outlaws right here. I mean, uh, in-laws. <laughs> no. no, but you know, they, they're another family that came in on the Brother Francis and Miss Babs ministries years ago. Tanya was 12 years old and got spiritually discipled here. And as a, as a result, Tanya came up in the church. And as a result, Tanya and I got to meet and praise the Lord. We've been married for 20, going to be 23 years coming up soon, right? Is it 23 or it's been a while? <laughs> it's been a while. I better move on now. 
before my legacy ends right here. Amen. But you know, hey, by the way, we have a daughter, Olivia, who works here at the church that has been part of this legacy. Some generations. And I don't know if you heard this or not, but uh, we have we have uh, a fiance in the picture. Olivia and Ben are going to be getting married. They got engaged a few weeks ago. And somebody said, well, do y'all approve of him? Well, he's still alive. That's a joke. No, we love him. And we're grateful for God's provision for our daughter. Amen. Well, what I'm trying to point out to you is that God has a legacy for you to build. God has lives that he wants you to touch. And uh, he's a generational spiritual legacy building God that is building his legacy by changing people's lives and wants to use you to continue his legacy. How many of you are interested in that? Now, I believe every one of us want our life to count. We want our life to mean something. Am I right about that? Every one of us wants to make a difference with this life that God has given us. And the great news is that God wants to use us to make a difference. Amen? He wants us to leave a print that when long after we're gone, people will still remember who we are. In Psalm 112, that's the verse I wanted you to look at. Psalm 112, in the latter part of that verse says, Those who are righteous will be long remembered. Long remembered. Question, what is it that people long remember about people that have died? They remember the lives that were touched. They remember the the acts of service and kindness and compassion. They remember how their life was changed by the person that's already gone. That's how they remembered. If you remember one thing today, remember this. That God wants you to be a part of his ongoing, lasting, imp- life-impacting legacy. Amen? It's never been God's intention for our life to just be about our life. In this society, it's all about self. It's all about me. But that's not God's agenda. It's always been God's intention that we would leave behind a spiritual legacy that it would impact generations to come. Amen? You know, we're, today we're celebrating Mother's Day. Somebody said the hand that, that uh, rocks the cradle rules the world. You know, what is motherhood? It's really, a, it's really a, an investing of your life into others. Amen? A legacy that goes beyond ourselves. They just had the draft for these leaders, you know, and I've always been amazed whenever the camera goes on these, these uh, football players and camera, they got this moment in the sun where everybody sees them and they say, hi, mama. You know, and I always thought, why do you didn't say daddy? You know, <laughs> you know, how do you get in there? You know, but it's because mom rocked the cradle and now she rules the world. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? So listen, today we're going to begin our lesson with a short review of last week's lesson. How do you leave a lasting legacy? Number one, you decide now what you what you're going to spend your life pursuing. We all have the choice of spending our life like we want. But here's the deal. Realize that how you spend your life will determine your legacy. How, how you spend your life. We can spend our life pursuing entertainment and pleasure, 
We can spend our life pursuing accomplishments or worldly pursuits. We can spend our life accumulating money, possessions, or we can spend our life trying to please God and accomplish His will. What are you going to spend your life doing? According to the Harris Poll, two-thirds of people that are in America are unhappy with their life, and they usually blame somebody else of the reason why they're unhappy. But I believe the reason why two-thirds of America is unhappy is because they're pursuing the wrong thing. When they wake up in the morning, their heart is pulled towards the wrong thing. And unless you wake up in the morning and your heart is pulled through the right thing, you're not going to be happy. You got to serve God. Amen. Remember Solomon found out that pursuing the wrong things in life will not get you the quality of life you're looking for. And he, his conclusion was Ecclesiastes 2.11. As I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was also meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. So Solomon wasted most of his life pursuing things that in his own words was like chasing after the wind. Have you ever had a chihuahua? I'm going to get deeply theological on you here. You know, growing up, we had we had chihuahuas and chihuahuas. They chase shadows. They'd be chasing their own shadow, man. They go crazy and they would chase their tail. And they just can't ever get that rascal, you know. They just caught a glimpse of it in the corner of their eye and they chase it. Some people are like chihuahuas chasing their tail. But they can't ever get what they're really looking at or looking for because they're pursuing the wrong thing. And so listen, Solomon's conclusion is that if you really, if you really want your life to count, he says in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God, keep his commandments because this applies to every person. If you want to leave behind an impacting life, leaving legacy, keep God first. Fear God, keep his commandments. And number two, to leave a lasting legacy, we said, decide now what you want your legacy to be. And we talked about some, somebody said, people will summarize your life with one sentence. And they'll usually say that sentence at your funeral. And we get to pick it now. Eventually, we'll all die. And people are going to summarize our life with one, cent, with one sentence. And so we need to decide now what we want that sentence to be. Do we want our lives to be remembered by what we did or who we were? What do we want our lives? What do we want our children to say about us? What do we want our grandchildren? What do we want our friends and family members to say about us? Well, some people say, well, I I don't care. Well, you should care because God wants to use your life to positively impact other people's lives. Andy Stanley said this, we never celebrate people's accumulations at a funeral, but we rather celebrate their generosity and their selflessness. The harsh reality is what we leave behind will not be what we want, but who we are as a person. Wisdom says, begin living today what you want to leave behind tomorrow. Here's the good news. Regardless of where we are today, we got a chance to make some changes from here on out. That's the blessing. Amen. Ephesians 5.15 says this. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise and make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. 
So here's the bottom line. To leave a lasting legacy, you have to be careful how you live. And you have to invest or spend your life wisely. Amen? If you, if you agree with that, say amen. And if you don't, say amen anyway. <laughs> amen? So now let me give you what I think is one of the absolute best ways to spend your life. Best ways to spend your life is to be intentional about developing meaningful relationships. There's probably no area that has the greatest potential to destroy your legacy like relationships, bad relationships. And there's probably no area that has the greatest potential to build a great legacy like developing meaningful relationships. Relationships are key to leaving a lasting legacy. Wouldn't you agree with that? You know, Solomon understood the power of meaning, meaningful um, relationships. In Ecclesiastes 4.9, he said, Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. They are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now Solomon deducted that we would be better off in life if we take the time to invest in building meaningful relationships. He said it's, your life will be better. Jesus emphasized the importance of investing in meaningful relationships. Now let me just stop for a moment. When I'm talking about investing in meaningful relationships, listen, I know you live in the same world I do. The world is putting less and less value on relationships. The world is putting more value on if it feels good, do it. Whatever is pleasurable, whatever makes you feel good, just go do that. But listen, there's a hole in that philosophy. And it doesn't show up right away, but one day... People that buy into that philosophy are going to wake up and say, man, what am I doing? That's what Solomon did. Jesus emphasized the importance of relationships like this. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-five, one of them, an expert in religious law, a Pharisee tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So Jesus says the entire Bible can be boiled down to two commandments. Love God, love people. In other words, the entire Bible is about relationships. You can't divorce relationships from God. You can't divorce relationships from being spiritual. And some people say, well, I love God. I just don't like people. Don't look over to your neighbor right now. But how many of you, Moses thought that? He's like, Lord, these people you gave me, kill them. It's like, man, I'm tired of it. And then the next minute, God's ready to kill them. I'm ready to kill these people. Moses said, no, don't kill them. But listen, you know, the secret to leaving a legacy is building lasting, meaningful relationships. Because it's relationships that are going to build or that are going to Go beyond you. Amen? Miracles happen in the context of relationships. God uses our relationships to change lives. 
as well as to change our life as well as other people. It's your life that has the ability to rock the world, to change the world. Are y'all hearing me out there? And so listen, remember the little widow in Second Kings? You know, we, we've looked at that story before, but, you know, she was about to lose everything, her house, her sons were going to get sold into slavery. She needed a miracle to survive. And, and God used her relationships to provide for her. Remember the prophet came and, and told her what to do, gave her instructions in Second Kings 4 and 1. It says, one day the widow of a member of a group of prophets came to Elijah and she cried out, my husband who served you is dead and you know how he feared the Lord. Now I want you to notice something. My husband who served you is dead and you know how he feared the Lord. Remember that. Her husband was a godly man. But now a creditor has come threatening to take away my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elijah said. Tell me, what, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of oil, she replied. And Elijah said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons, shut the door behind you, pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was filled to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said, now sell the oil and pay for your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left. Now, there's two ways to look at this story. I want to look at uh, both ways. First of all, it was the jars that the widow borrowed from her friends and neighbors that God filled with oil, right? If she hadn't been, if she hadn't, built some relationships, she wouldn't have had no friends. You know, how many people have neighbors, you knock on the door and you say, hey, can you give me a jar of whatever? And they say, you forget it, Jack. I don't even like you. And they slam the door. But thank God the little widow didn't have those kinds of neighbors and friends, right? So she had built meaningful relationships with her friends. And that's why she had some jars to fill. She would have not received the oil to sell and pay for her debt if she hadn't had the jars, which she wouldn't have had unless she had built relationships. Y'all following that? And so but here's another way to look at it. If those friends and neighbors had not invested in the little widow woman and built the relationship and invested their jars into the relationship, the widow wouldn't have received the miracle. The widow woman would not have received a miracle if she had not had neighbors who put a priority on relationships. So the widow got a miracle because she had relationships. The, the neighbors and the friends got to be used of God for a miracle because they had built up relationships. Whenever I ask, how many of you want your life to count? Everybody wants their life to count. Well, I tell you, you can't make your life count without building relationships. It hinges on building relationships. Amen. It was the relational investment of the jar into the widow woman that allowed the woman to receive her miracle. Amen. It's a reciprocal return of investment in meaningful relationships. And I think like the jar, you could say, represents your life. If you use your jar and invest in others, God can perform miracles. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. All you need is what's in your house. I'll tell you what's in your house. Your life is in your house. 
Your joy is in your house. Invest your life in others. And God, in that context, can do miracles in other people's lives. Come on, how many of you received this this morning? Amen. Now listen. Listen, this is counterculture. This goes against the grain of what the culture says. And what the culture says is valuable. And you could see it showing up at funerals. When you go to a funeral, you could tell what kind of continuity that you have in family units. And it's, it's terrible in some cases. But remember when the men, here's another example of the power of relationships. Remember whenever the friends, the men brought their friend, the paralytic, to get healed by Jesus? Remember that story? This was another example of a miracle happening in the context of relationships. Luke chapter 5, 17 says, One day while Jesus was teaching some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby, it seemed that these men showed up from every village in Galilee and Judea as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Another translation says, The Lord's healing power was present in the house. Verse 18, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof, took off the tiles. They lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus, seeing their faith. Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Verse 24 says, then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. The man received a miracle. Thank God. He had at least a few friends in his life. And whenever he couldn't physically get to the church service where Jesus was healing, thank God he had a relationship. Listen, there'll be a time in your life when you won't be able to get yourself where you need to go. And you are going to need a relationship. Are you all hearing me out there? Let me just let me just stay here for a moment. There's going to be a time in your life. You know, we talk about David killing Goliath. And he killed Goliath. But do you know David faced another giant that was about to take him down? And if he had not a friend to come to his aid, he would have lost his life. He would have, he would have lost the second battle with the second giant. But he was a friend that helped him take down the giant. And you know, the reality is we're all going to face giants in life. We need friends. And so it's worth investing. You see, this is a story. There are two ways to look at this story. Right here that we just read. One is the paralytic man would have never received the miracle if he had not taken the time to build relationships with those guys who carried him to Jesus. But the other thing is the friends would have never been part of a miracle of seeing a man's life changed if they had not been willing to reciprocate in the relationship. How many of you know you can't build friendships with people unless they're willing to be your friend? Amen. Come on. I think I can, I can ask this question to fifth graders and I, they, I mean, uh, five year olds and they would tell me, no. But listen, miracles happen through the context of meaningful relationships. Now this, this message is not about this, but I just want to mention this. I'm thinking about it and I just feel like it's, it's the Lord. See, a lot of times people don't have any relationships because they've been burnt by relationships or they grew up in a context of terrible relationships. So they build this huge Jericho wall around their heart. And they're by themselves in Jericho with no relationships. And I want to challenge you today to let God help you take that wall down. 
because you don't want to live in Jericho all alone. Amen? Now, here's the life application point. The more meaningful relationships you develop, the more opportunity you have of living beyond yourself and being a part of God's spiritual legacy of changing lives. At a funeral, whenever you talk to people, you know, one of the things that Brother Francis taught me is whenever you do a funeral, sometimes we get called in to do funerals of people we don't know. It's an extended family member of maybe somebody in the church, and we don't know them. We don't know if they were Christian. We don't know if they were, you know, we don't know who they were. And so we say, tell me about your loved one. And man, it doesn't take you long to really find out what they what they're about. But, you know, when people start talking about their loved ones, I've never heard, Brother Francis, I've never heard anybody say, man, you know, my dad, he's got 100,000 Exxon Mobil stock. Man, my dad, he's got businesses all across. We don't talk about the accumulations. Whenever they talk about their family members, they always talk about, man, he loved me. He pulled for me when nobody else did. And in the context of a funeral, you can really understand what really matters in life. How you really impact others is how much you invest in their life. Moms, if you want to make a difference, take seriously your job as a mother and invest in your children. Rock their cradle. Because they may be ruling the world in a few years from now. Amen? You give them your values instead of them getting their values at UL. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Let me talk to you dads. Support your wife. Help her. Her job is really important. Amen? Y'all ready to move on? Amen? All right, four questions to ask, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be done here. Four a- questions to ask to help build meaningful relationships. The first question is this. Is there a relationship that needs to be initiated? Which means this. You need to start building a relationship. Jesus was intentional about making friends. He was intentional about bi- building meaningful relationships. He made it a priority. Remember in Luke 6, 13, at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and he chose 12 of, of them to be his apostles. He chose his inner circle. He carefully chose his close companions. And so do you need to begin initiating some friendships in your life? Do you have any close companions? Do you have anybody that you could say is my friend? If you call them in the middle of the night and say, John, I need your help right now. This is what's going on. Do you have close enough connections where you could call somebody and say, hey, I need some help. And you got enough relational investment in there that they'll say, absolutely, man. Because I know you would come to my house if I called you at two in the morning. I'm coming to your house. What do you need? Invest in relationships. Proverbs 18.24 says, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. So the way that you build friends is you is you extend friendship to others. And if you invest enough seeds of friendship, you're bound to get a harvest of friends. Amen. 
Jesus was intentional, not just about making friends in his core, his close friends, but he was intentional about making friends with the lost. Remember in, in Mark two sixteen, when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors, tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Why was he eating with such scum? He was intentional about relationships. He wanted to make an impact. Amen. So the question is, do you need to be initiating some friendships with people that need God in their life? There might be somebody right around you at work, right around your neighborhood or somewhere right in your family that they're lonely. They don't have a friend. And if you just reach out to them and just be a friend of them, you could be part of the miracle of their lives being changed and their eternity changing. Amen. You can't influence somebody you have no meaningful relationship with. Somebody said the first step in making a disciple is becoming their friend. Listen to this verse. 2 Corinthians 9.22 says, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. A little disclaimer. Don't go smoke pot with people that are smoking pot. Say, I'm trying to win them to the Lord. Okay, that's not what it's talking about right here. All right. You know how I know that? I'll let you figure it out. All right. The second question to ask in building meaningful relationships. Is there a relationship that needs to be nurtured? Uh, Maybe there's some people in your life that you've been neglecting. That you haven't been taking the time to invest in the relationship. You know, we don't mean to neglect people in our life. We just do it as we get busy with life. You know, relationships are like pot plants. They need constant time and attention. You know, we got these pot plants. We got these pots in the front of our house at home. And um, sometimes we put flowers in them. And sometimes we just make them, let them look like wintertime all year, you know. But, you know, I noticed something about those flowers in those pots. I can water them and they still die if I don't water them again in the next couple weeks. They just like, you know, some of you shaking your head. Yeah, like, duh. Man, you know, that's like 101, you know, (laughs) like water, sunshine, you know. But, you know, those plants constantly need nourishing, nurturing, not nourishment. You know what I mean? They constantly need that stuff. And so, you know, we in in our relational life, we say, well, man, well, we went on a date five years ago. I, I mean, how often do I have to bring her on dates, you know? But listen, you know, we don't mean, we don't mean to disrupt our relationships, but it can easily happen if we don't nurture relationships. Right. Jesus was intentional about nurturing his relationships. In Mark 630, the apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. They went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. Jesus took time to get away with his disciples to nurture the relationship. Jesus spent time with his disciples. 
It takes time to nurture your close, intimate relationships. You see, what happens is, you know, if you're a business owner and your business takes off, it can cause your relationship to get damaged. If you, if you, if your hobby gets, you have so much fun having fun, your relationships can suffer in the process. You say, I don't know what's going on. I mean, man, I can't, I don't know what's going on. Well, have you been putting a little water on the plant? Have you been nurturing the relationship a little bit? Somebody said you can impress somebody from afar, but you have to get up close relationally to have a lasting impact. And so the question is, is there some relationship in your life that needs some nurturing? If you got it, say, I got it. John 13, 34, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The third question to ask and develop in close relationships. Is there a relationship that needs to be restored? Sometimes we have close relationships that go bad. If you're in relationships, you're bound to experience this. Things happen. We make mistakes. We say wrong things. We hurt people's feelings, right? Let me, let me just survey the congregation today. How many of you had a bad, had a relationship that's had some bad bumps here and there? Let me see your hands and don't lie in church. That's all of us, right? It, it happens, right? But listen, John, no, let's see, Colossians 3 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you so that you must Forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Now listen, some people have no friends, acquaintances, because, and the reason is because they haven't learned to make allowance for other people's faults. Hey, everybody's got faults including you. I know that might be a shocker. but (laughs) And the only way to build long-lasting relationships is you have to make allowance for people's faults, right? Is that right, saints? If that's right, say that's right. That's right. You got to. But people that build long-lasting relationships have learned to make allowance for people's faults and forgive them whenever they do something wrong. It's impossible to build long-lasting relationships if you don't learn how to forgive. If you don't learn how to look past people's shortcomings. Amen? Come on, we're talking about leaving a lasting impact here. We're talking about leaving a legacy. Romans 12, 17 says, Don't repay anyone, anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Amen. Come on. You can't have peace in your life until you start getting along with people. You can't enjoy the peace of God until you start getting along with people. And listen, the Bible says, as long as it is in your power, I'm telling you, some people, whenever they get to heaven, they're going to be in conflict with Jesus. I don't like the way you planted this garden here. Come on, man, this, this glory is blinding me. Do you have to have all this Shekinah glory in here? I mean, some people, they don't get along with themselves. They sure not going to get along with anybody else. 
But you got to learn how to get along with people as best as you can. Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all help me preach this morning. All right. And here's the last question to ask in developing meaning relationships. Is there a relationship that needs to be severed? You know what that means? Cut those relationships out of your life. Some relationships are toxic. They're toxic. You know, the Bible says, be careful about hanging around angry people. You're going to become angry. Be careful about hanging around critical people. You're going to become critical. Be careful about who you hang with. If you hang with the dogs, you're probably going to get some fleas. Come on, that's that's in Matthew chapter. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's that's theology from my uh, industrial arts teacher there. One of my teachers there coming up. Listen, that's what he used to tell us. If you listen, if you hang with the dogs, you're going to get fleas. You know, watch who you hang with. But listen, there are people serving life sentences today because they hung around the wrong people. They had no clue what was about to come down. They just thought they were hanging with some friends and their friend had this turmoil inside, this violence, and this anger. And while they're hanging out, he loses his cool, takes somebody out, and they get pinned with the charge just as well as the other person. There are people that end up where they never dreamed of being because they hung around the wrong people. Listen what this verse says, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. So the question is, are there relationships in your life that are so toxic that they're going to keep you from living, leaving a lasting legacy that you need to sever from your life? Listen, whenever I became a Christian, I have friends in this church that actually hung with me. Kendall here is one, and I don't know if Doug's here, but Tony and others. And I mean, that's that was our lifestyle. Well, listen, I was from a small town. I didn't know a Christian. And whenever I got saved, everybody hung around were same thing as me. And I would do good to, through the week, and the weekend would come, crash and burn. I had to move out of my town, not because of them, but because of me. I couldn't stand up to the peer pressure. I couldn't stand the influence. I wasn't strong enough. And so I came down. Listen, you might need to sever some relationships with somebody of the opposite sex where you work. But it's good because it's going to ruin your legacy. You might need to sever some relationships with friends that you've known since childhood because they are bad news bears. And if you hang with them, they're going to take you down. Are y'all hearing me out here? This might sound rough and, and crude, but I'm telling you, bad company corrupts morals. What do you want your life to count for? What do you want to do with your life? You got to ask the question, do I need to sever some relationships? Amen. Now listen to this proverb, Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. 
Amen? Would you stand with me? Let's close in prayer. Would you just bow your head with me for just a moment? And I want to just go over these. Just close your eyes for just a moment. Let me ask you. As we conclude today on this Mother's Day Sunday, we're talking about making an impact, leaving a legacy. Is there a relationship to be nurtured? Maybe, or excuse me, a relationship that needs to be initiated. Maybe some of you here are lonely. You don't have any friends. You haven't really put a whole lot of value on friends and in your heart. You say, I don't need friends. I don't need people in my life. All I've ever gotten from, from friends and family is hurt. But can I encourage you today? To just put a crack in the door. Just take a little bit, make a little bit of effort. I understand how it's hard to open up your heart whenever you've been kicked, whenever you've been smashed, whenever you've been betrayed, whenever you've been rejected. But come on, if your life is going to count, you've got to open the door. You've got to make room for people to come into your life. Some people don't hang around church because some church person hurt them. Come on, don't throw out all of God's family because of somebody hurting you. Come on, open up the door. Open up your heart. There there are some healthy relationships that you can build that will release the miraculous in your life. I would encourage you today, make the attempt. Maybe some of you here today, you've been just too preoccupied and you're letting some, some key relationships in your life be neglected. And maybe you need to turn your heart and your focus. Don't take for granted your wife or your husband. Don't take for granted your children, your grandchildren. Don't take those relationships for granted. Don't take for granted those, those family members, those friends you've had for years. Invest in them. Initiate. Nurture. Nurture those relationships. Or maybe today, maybe today there's a relationship that needs to be restored. Come on, you got to forgive. I want to just encourage you right now in your heart. Just release them from your heart and say, God, I don't want to hold out in my heart. I don't want to hold offense towards anybody. Lord, I want to be a bridge builder, not a, a bridge destroyer. God, help me. Give me the grace to do that right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, Lord, release the grace. Listen, some of you, you may you may need to make a decision right now to sever a relationship, to to end a relationship, to get away from a relationship that is toxic, that could bring you down any moment. Father, I pray grace over us today. God, help us to build meaningful relationships. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now listen, you know, all of this we talked about is really impossible without the grace of God, the strength of God, the power of God. Listen, you can't do this until you first get in relationship with the Lord. Love God first and then love people. There's a friend that's thicker, closer than the brother. His name is Jesus. He wants to be your friend. 
And right now you might be hurting. You might be all alone. And you might feel like you're in this big world and walking all by yourself. But I'm here to tell you there is a a Savior that wants to be your friend and help you make it through this world. If you're here today and say, Todd, I've never asked Jesus to forgive me. I've never released my life, surrendered my life to be a Christian. But I want to do so today. Would you pray for me? Would you just lift your hands? I want to pray a special prayer for you. Just lift up your hand right here, ma'am. I see your hand. Just lift it up. Don't be ashamed. Don't be. Listen, we want to be your friend here. Lift up your hand, sir. I see your hand. Anybody else? Come on. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. This is the biggest decision that you can make in your life right here. Anybody else? I see. I see two people's hands are raised. Anybody else right here? Anybody else? Come on. Let's pray together. Come on. Let's all pray together. Father in heaven. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. I'm sorry. I want to live for you, Lord. Help me, Jesus, to live the Christian life. I'm turning to you. I want to be a servant of yours. I need you as a friend. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving me the chance to be part of your family. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Listen. It might be some of you in here, you need to come up for prayer this morning and pray and ask somebody to pray with you to forgive somebody or to get healed in your heart from hurts in your life. Because that's the biggest, that's the biggest culprit of ruining relationships right there is whenever hurts come. Amen. So we're going to have the altars open here and we're going to pray for anybody and everybody that needs prayer. If you need prayer for something besides that, please come up and we're going to agree and stand with y'all in faith. Amen. Amen. Y'all receive this message today. Hey, today's Mother's Day. Let's go build some relationships. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great day.